wanted to enjoy the other day, so we were off yesterday, and I do apologize for those who were tuning into the show. Uh, we were off for, uh, I don't know, I was kind of exhausted or something. After doing so much, my son, one of my son, uh, uh, aced his uh, college placement test. Yeah, he aced it. He, 96. Wow. After failing it twice. <laughs> but yeah, you got a 96. Yeah, I can hear all the congratulations and all the, uh, you know, applause and everything. Yeah, he got a 96. With my help, of course. Help of course. Uh, so he owes uh, half of that degree to me. Okay, but he passed it. He's in college. He's all he has to do now is go and register and his orientation, pick up what he whatever he has to pick up, and he's going to start later on this month, later on in the fall. Yeah, um, he passed it. I, I am so. You know, you know, when something like this, something gigantic like this, something so important as this is, I told my son, I said, you got a 96. Okay. I said, you have a 96, man. You got a great, you, that's a beautiful score. Okay. Yeah, it's hard for him to get excited about anything. About Denver, uh, Denver, we, we got a brand new car. All right. You know, <laughs> Anything. Hey, man, I just bought you bought you a pair of shoes. Okay. <laughs> and I, I, I talked to him. I said, don't you ever get excited about getting anything? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I can tell that he was totally, totally excited. But he, he has, I don't know, he has his own way of showing it. You know, I mean, hey, wow. I mean, I said, Denver, if I brought a car up in here, uh, if I if there was a car parked in the studio here, he would walk in the house and he wouldn't even notice it. There's a car right there sitting in the living room, Denver. Uh, okay. <laughs> the guy, he, he doesn't get excited about anything. I guess I'm the only one who gets excited. I think other people get excited too, knowing that he's actually in college after failing the test two times. Third time was the charm. You know what I think? I totally think that a lot of these public schools just failed him. They failed him big time. It took me to help him to pass. And these schools failed my son big time. They failed him. I mean, not only my son, or I'm, I'm talking about other uh, kids t- too. I mean, education is nothing like it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. It has changed so much. Certain uh, things they don't study no more. In some cases, in some of these schools uh, nowadays, uh, especially in America and around here where we live, Kids do not have books. They haven't had books for three, two or three years. My son has been in high school for four years. Well, that's, that, that's a going rate. He graduated, and not once has he picked up a book. Not once have they gave him a book. There was talk about uh, computers, laptop computers replacing books. That never happened. 
that never happened because I thought he was going to be presented with a laptop and do all this research online. Find it, with it, it didn't happen. It, public education, even some of the teachers that I've talked to agree with me. These kids are being shafted. They are being thrown out of school uh, uh, under the guise of graduating. And when they graduate, if they graduate, they are not ready for college. Public schools do not get children ready for college. They just don't. They just don't. I was just texting uh, a person from Denver school, from his high school, asking me did he, what was his score on his uh, placement test, as if I have to tell her. Because the school that he graduated from with this woman I just text Miss Nunez is a part of failed him big time and failed a lot of the other students big time. I've said this before on the show. Public schools are detrimental to these children. And it's sad that a lot of these kids are going to the schools. Their parents are illiterate also. So their parents... Uh, lucky for Denver, he had a parent. He he's got a parent or parents uh, that have an education. A lot of these kids that go to these public schools are poor. I think eighty to to eighty eighty five to ninety percent of the kids that go to public schools in the city of Chicago are poor. A lot of the parents are illiterate. They do not have uh, a diploma or some in some cases a grade school diploma. And then they have all these kids, they send them to these schools, and they think these schools are doing wonderful with their children. They're not. They're not. I think the best way for uh, a parent to educate his or her child or children is to educate them uh, themselves. But I realize that a lot of parents don't have time for that. They have to work. They don't have time. I mean, uh, some of these parents, they use these public schools and teachers as babysitters, you know, they got to work, they got to pay the bills. They got, you know, I mean, they can't, but they have to realize something. A lot of these kids are graduating these uh, public schools from these public schools in Chicago. I can't, I don't know about California. I don't know about Texas or Montana or Florida. All I know about is Chicago. Okay. Uh, uh, some of the same things could be happening in other schools and in other states. I don't know. I haven't researched it. I'm just looking at the public schools in the state of Illinois and in the city of Chicago. And they are bad. They are totally bad. Even even when I talked to some, uh, I was down at one of Denver's uh, colleges. And... Um, they were telling me, they were telling me that uh, a lot of kids who graduate from these public schools, they are not ready for college. And that's the purpose of sending your kid to a high school so that a high school can get your kids ready for college. No matter what your subject matter is, no matter what their major or minor might be, uh, college, uh, uh, high schools are supposed to prep your your child for for college and, and a lot of these high schools are called uh college prep schools that means getting you prepared for college that's just a lie they're not prepping your kids for anything you're they're prepping your kid 
to be as dumb as rocks. They increase, uh, they increase, some schools increase the grades of their students just so their students can pass. And the states give the, and the states give them a thumb up, thumb up on that. Yeah. I mean, if your kids, uh, you know, constantly get D's, somebody in that school is going to jump that score up to either C or D, C or a, a B. Yeah. Just so it can make, just so it can look good on the, uh, on the uh, papers. You know, so a lot of these kids are being shortchanged. They're not ready for college, but they, you know, hooping and hollering about they graduating for high school. It's over. Uh, they're going to college and they get to college and they realize they can't handle it. The placement test is, is simple. It's easy. But if you're not prepared and ready to take it, you're going to fail it. You're going to fail it. You're going to fail it. And when public schools graduate our children without uh, being college ready, that dumbs down society. And there are so many people in the world saying people are stupid, people are crazy, people are dumb, people are uneducated. You can almost take that back public schools. I mean... I mean, um, some schools don't even teach history anymore. They don't have science projects. They don't have projects where you go out into the world and interview certain people on certain jobs to, you know. You know, there was, yeah, there was a time when you were in school, especially if you were a junior or high or, or junior or a senior, uh, one of your assignments would be to go out and, and interview people. On the streets or at their business establishment and write an essay about it. And then there's the science projects, which they don't do anymore. Remember uh, hypothesis? <laughs> yeah, uh, they don't do the science projects no more. Uh, all This is how they teach from my understanding. Nowadays, the schools in the, the public schools in the city of Chicago, well, the ki- and you know what? Another thing I'm pissed off about. I, rem- I For so many years, I bought my son school supplies. I mean, I would spend $75, $100, $150 because a lot of those calculators cost $124. So a lot of times uh, I would spend uh, – Lots of money, $200, sometimes for school supplies. In some cases, in some families, there's a lot more. Do you know that my son, in his last year in high school, maybe even before that, he did not use one thing of the supply, the school supplies that I bought him. They were just kept in his locker for a whole year until he graduated. And, and I'm pretty sure it was done at other schools that he's gone to. And and on his last day of school, he brought his book bag back home. And I said, this looks as if I just bought it for you. 
I said, you didn't use any of this in class? Nope. <laughs> you didn't use none of this in class, all this stuff that I bought you, $100, $200 worth of school supplies, and he did not use any of it. I have it sitting in my studio right over here by my side. Folders, three, uh, three ring binders, papers, subject, uh, uh, subject matter, uh, all kinds of paper, math paper. You know, he didn't use any of it. He doesn't have books. He didn't have books. He didn't have homework. I think that's where uh, his grades went down when he did not have homework. Because if he had homework, I'd have been with every night to help him pass. He would have passed. But not without me uh, uh, honing in on his schoolwork, his grades fail. And they only fail because I wasn't there to help him. The school basically would not let me help him. Because I went up there and talked to some of those folks, and I sat down in their meeting rooms, and I said, look, his grades are low. Of course they are. Let me help him. I said, he doesn't have books. You don't give him homework. You don't give him anything to read. How, how, you know, I mean, with, with all of that, how do you expect any of these kids to learn? I don't think these public schools want these kids to learn, you know, because they've taken away everything. And you got Betty, Betty uh Betsy DeVos in the uh, Department of Education, who's trying to ruin everything, who's trying to actually eliminate the department. But still in all, this was before she even became one of Trump's cabinet members. Anyway, these public schools are not doing the job. They are not up to the grade. They are not. And, uh, and folks, some of these teachers will tell you the same thing, but they are, will not get into a debate or an argument because they could lose their jobs. But in private, uh, if you meet them out on the street or something, uh, going to their car, they will tell you. Yes, George. Yes, world. Uh, Chicago does not prepare their graduating classes for college and that is the purpose of going to high school is to link off and go to college at least for most kids some kids feel that hey well i've had enough of school high school is enough fuck college you know but some people say fuck that high school (laughs) i can't deal with it i got to you know but anyway um uh, for the kids who, who graduate from high school uh I feel for them. I, I really feel for them, uh, especially if they're thinking about going to college and they're not ready to take that and they're not ready or prepared to take that placement test. Because until you take that placement test, you will not get in that particular college or that particular university. That placement test becomes first because the placement test will let the college officials uh, know where to put you and know what classes to assign you to so the, that and colleges I, excuse me high schools are not preparing people young people for college they're just not they're just not uh, my son my my son passed the test for the third time because I 
was in on with it. I was in on with him. I was right there giving the assignments, grading them myself. I was acting like a teacher. Suddenly, you know, he went in the next day and he passed the test. There's no doubt about it. If it wasn't for my input, he would have failed it again. I'm basically, I'm trying is teachers, administrators, educators to step up and make these kids, parents are literate or not, teachers uh, uh, need to step up, administrators of the school need to step up and start preparing these students to enter college for higher education, preparing these students for higher education. But some, in some cases, the teachers are the teachers are are hamstruck. I mean, they are just uh, uh, stuck with what is given to them. They're stuck with what's given to them. Um, the curriculum and all that stuff, what to teach, what that all of this stuff is coming from the state. And I do do say it's political. Kids are learning learning in these public schools are coming from the states. The states is telling what is telling the teachers what and what not to teach those children. That's wrong. The state says, well, don't give them any books. The, the state says, well, don't give them homework. The state says, don't teach them history. Don't teach them about slavery. Don't teach them about how the world uh, American history or or, or uh, any kind of history. Don't give them science projects. Just sit there. This is how they do it. This is how I know they do it. At least they did it uh, in my uh, uh, eyes. This is this is how they did it. The kids would come into the classroom, sit down at a desk. They would not use any of their school supplies. They were bought. And pay for by their parents. In some cases, the school said that they needed those uh, school supplies, and we went out and purchased them. But the school never, never used any of it. So this is how they learn in the city of Chicago. And I really curse the mayor for this. The kids they go into their classroom. They're told to sit down. The teacher writes something on the board, or lessons on the board, or something, and uh, the the kids, uh, they get some sort of flyer or 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 um, uh, or handout. That's what they uh, use handouts with maybe something on it, and then they may give the kid a, a piece of paper and say, "Write whatever is on the board. Write it down, study it, and then you have an exam." That's how that's how they do it. That is how they do it. I've seen, I've seen, I've witnessed my, in my son's class, and some of the teachers said that's the way they do it also. And I'm saying, what the hell is that? So a kid walks into his classroom, and in high school, you've got about, you know, nine or six classes you have to go to, and every class, except for gym, and even gym is watered down. Physical education is watered down. It's watered down. It's not what it's up to. It's not what it used to be in public schools. They used to, public schools used to, I mean, in the athletic department, public schools were getting 
young, talented young men and girls ready for the NBA. No way now. They want them to be NBA. So they don't give a damn now. Cuts, money shortages. Uh, I just stopped a lot of that. It stopped a lot of that. Anyway, back to the classroom where the kids just sit down at at, at their desk, uh, read what whatever the fuck is on the board, and they write it down. They write it down. Teacher says go home and go. no, no. The teacher says study that because they don't have homework. Teacher says study that, and after they study that. Uh, she gives them a test on it, and that's it. That that's the gist of it. You don't open a book or anything. The only time you ask questions, if you're allowed to ask questions, is probably when you don't understand something. And a lot of the kids, uh, they don't ask questions, and a lot of the teachers fail to see that this person needs help, even though this person doesn't ask for help. I always told my son, I said, "Hey, wow." Uh, if you don't understand something, if you don't know something, if it's if it's getting by you, raise your hand and ask for help, because that's what the teacher is for. The teacher is for to help you. That's what they're getting paid for. But if you don't raise your hand, and if you keep saying you don't need help when you need help, then you know it's, it's another thing. But um, these public schools aren't aren't making the grade. Not with me. Not with me. And a lot of other parents. And some of these public schools, they're not making a grade with parents either. But parents have no uh, – parents have – we have rights. We can say stuff. We can complain. We can bitch. But it doesn't mean that they're going to change one iota of what they're doing. They'll listen to you. <laughs> but that's about it. I'm, I know I've gone to so many schools. PTA meetings, school meetings, meetings for this, meetings for that. And I jump in their asses. I, I tell them, hey, I jump dead in their asses because a lot of those folks that are uh, that are sitting across the table from me look like they should be in class themselves <laughs> and probably do. You know, I'm saying, well, what the hell are you, I mean, this is a serious matter. I mean, you look like you're about 17. Is this you? You're professional. <laughs> you should be in class, or reading a book, or something, or working on on, on your GPA. And it, it does. I, I felt a little taken back. You know, I said, "Hey, wow, where is the principal? Where's the director of the school? Why can't I talk to these folks? They're the ones who running this school. Why would I want to talk to people who don't know what they're talking about? But they act as if they." know what they're talking about they act as if they're trying hard to be professional professional when they're not i said let me talk to somebody let me talk to the director and she brings her butt on in and uh mr wilder sit down (laughs) yeah um uh you know a lot of this stuff i get into i know how to handle a lot of people but there's so many people out here who don't know how to handle other people, especially when it comes to your child. You can't believe everything a public school teacher tells you about your child. A lot of these teachers will act as if they know your child better than you do. They don't. And if you have a, 
excuse me, if you have a child with a disability, when you're at work and your child is at school, you just don't know how much your child is being discriminated against. Not just by the students, peers, but also by the teachers. They have a problem also with uh, students with disability. They turn their nose up, you know. But I, they're not going to do it when you come. I mean, if you're going up to the visit of school, you got your child. No, they're going to be all smiles. How you doing, Mr. Willis? How you doing? Hi, hi, hi. Hey there, uh, little David. You know. But the minute the parent is out of sight, they start discriminating against your child. I'm not, I'm not saying that every teacher does it. I'm not saying it's done at every school, but I'm saying it does happen. It does happen. And it's just a shame that these schools are not getting children, teenagers, ready for the world. They're just not. They're not. Schools are just a place to drop off your child while you're at work or to drop off your child to give you a breather. And a lot of parents knows this, know this, but they do it anyway. They don't teach these kids nothing. If, 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 Children want to learn. They're going to have to do it themselves. If you want to know about a certain something, you're going to have to uh, research it yourself, learn it yourself, because a lot of these schools aren't going to do it. But I can tell you one thing these public schools will do. They will ask for your money. Pay for this. Pay for that. We need we need funding for this. We need funding for that. You really think public schools are free? <laughs> I don't. You really think they're not free because for everything that that's, has been cut, they're going to try to make it up by squeezing the parent. I mean, when my son was in public schools, I mean, I, I mean, I just I just kept coming out of my pocket. But that nothing's free. And if you think public school is free, you're crazy. It's not free. Nothing's free, and things are just and things are going to get higher. Things are going to get worse. Uh, it's a shame that the kids are in the middle of this. Too bad we don't have a caring and love because they don't give a shit about anything except for the rich. They don't care about you. They don't care about you and your job. They don't care that you work every day. They don't care that you've got a car. They don't care if, that you've got a house. They don't care if you've got a few, few pennies or a few dollars in the bank. They don't care. They're going to squeeze you. They're going to they're gonna fuck you in every way they can. They don't care. They don't care that you work at CTA. They don't care <laughs> that you are a... Uh, paralegal or, or, or a medical profession. They care only for the rich. If you ain't rich, the hell with you. They don't care if you bust your ass going to work every morning or whether you work go, going out to work or you work at home. They don't care. You're not like them. 
You're not rich like them. There are so many people out here who uh, think that because they have a job, that that they have a job, that that's what makes them better than other people. So many people think because they have two or three cars, they make them better than people who catching a bus or the train or walking. And the Republicans, they don't care about you or nobody. If you have a job, to the Republicans, you stink. If you work every day uh, to pay your bills, to pay your house note, to pay your car note, to go out and have fun, the Republicans think you stink because you are not rich like they are. Remember, the Republicans control everything. They control the House of Representatives. They control the White House. They control the – and they control most if most of the governorships around the United States. And why is this? Why is it that Republicans control so much and are uh, destroying so much? Why are they in control? What happened? How did they get there? I'll tell you. The Republicans got where they are because you did not vote. Simple as that, as that. The Republicans are destroying everything because you did not vote. You didn't vote. But I'm pretty sure you're going to vote now because you feel it. We got an ignoramus in the White House, and you feel it. Yeah, and I've said many times on this show, if you do not vote, and you didn't, if you do not vote, your vote is still going to be used, but it will be used against you. If, you, if you're a Democrat and you don't vote, then that no vote that you did not cast goes straight to a Republican. I've said that a thousand times on the show, and it's true. You don't vote, Republicans win. And there are so many people out here, if you ask them, if you ask them, hey, did you vote? No, I didn't vote. I didn't vote. I mean, they act as if they're so proud of themselves for not voting. They act as if they're on Mount Rushmore that they didn't vote. You know, if you, it's true. It's true. You ask somebody on voting day, you ask somebody, did they vote? No, I didn't vote. Say, Sam, did you vote? No, I didn't vote. I did not vote. Sam is stupid. Sam is dumb because Sam should have voted. Now, because Sam did not vote, the Republicans are going to cut his Social Security check. The Republicans are going to cut his Medicare, his, his, his Medicare or his Medicaid the Republicans are going to cut off his food stamps. Uh, Sam is living in a one-bedroom apartment, and the government is paying his rent. They are going to cut him, cut his rent subsidy off, and Sam will end up on the streets homeless. 
all because he didn't vote, all because he was so proud not to vote. It's very, very important to vote, people. I know some people out there, well, I'm not voting. It's my religion. It's just my religion. Well, your religion going to have your ass in the streets, going to have your rights taken away from you. You will not be able to speak without getting arrested. You will not be able to walk out of your house without being searched. Democracy will as you know it. I I know a lot of people who uh, uh, are in some of these religions, Christians. I mean, all of these, most of these Christians are for Donald Trump, which is crazy. You tell yourself uh, a lot of these pastors and ministers and and uh, deacons and whatever they call themselves. These a lot of these people are just fake assholes trying to get your money trying to uh, control you. They want your life. They want to control you. They're not going to give you anything. However, they want you to give them money. A lot of these people are just con men, con women, passing the plate around every Sunday so someone can buy a brand new car or a brand new helicopter or private plane. By telling you if you don't get right with God, you, you're going to get struck down. So you give them money to pay, for, <laughs> to pay for their kid's college. It's a scam. All of it's a scam. All of it's to, con- to control you and to get what you want. I tell people, you know, um, you're not controlling your life. They are in control of your life, and they are. Some of these cults, some of these religious cults, some of these uh, shameful religious cults uh, preying on people who are weak-minded, preying on people who uh, are looking for something, but it seems like it's never going to come. So they go to some religious nut house and, and hear, and the preacher's going to tell them everything they want to hear as long as they put money in the collection plate. I can hear people going, well, George, that's not true. Well, it may not be true for all religions or every church in America, but it's not far-fetched. I mean, I see a lot of this shit every day. Fake preachers go out and buy a $10, a $10 Bible, if it's 10 bucks, it could be 5 and start standing on the corner saying, damnation is about to come with their... Uh, 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 with their empty can sitting on the ground waiting for you to put money in it. It's all a farce, folks. I, I believe I believe religion is a farce. Going to church is a farce because you're getting nothing out of it. The preacher is getting everything out of it because you're giving him money and you're letting him and his flock lead you around your neck. And I tell people all the time, get out from under these cult religions. They are about controlling you, telling you where to sit, telling you when to sit, excuse me, (laughs) telling you where to sit, telling you to stand, telling you who to talk to, 
telling you who not to talk to, telling you what you can do and what you can't do. This is not a religion. It's a cult of stupid people. It's a cult of of weak-minded people. You need to get out of that. You need to start to take control of your own life. You get sick. These people aren't going to give you a damn dime. You lose your home. They're not going to put up anything to get you another home. You lose your car. I mean, I've heard of some uh, religious uh, places uh, helping their members out once their members are uh, in trouble. But you got a lot of them who do not, who do not step up to do anything. They don't step up to do anything. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I've been rambling for a while, folks. Okay, we're going to uh, take a musical break here. And I want to make sure I want to get in something about Paul Manafort. He is, his trial is beginning today. He, yeah, he's going to jail, it looks like. Maybe, maybe. If he's found guilty, he's definitely going to jail. But you know what I wish? I wished it was Donald Trump. People keep asking this. George, what, what are you going to do if Donald Trump goes to jail or if he's locked up or if he's impeached? I tell them I'm going to get my family and we're going to go out and dance in the middle of the, in the, middle of the street. Suppose he has a heart attack or, or a stroke. Uh, that is, uh, people are wishing that Donald Trump have a heart attack or a stroke. I don't think you should wish for that for anybody because it could happen to you. But people are saying, fuck it. <laughs> they are saying, fuck it. This man should die. Why? Because they feel that he's trying to kill them. Yeah, by taking away your Medicare, cutting or eliminating Social Security, fucking up schools by ending and eliminating the Department of Education. They're right in a way. That is that is a murder in a way. But uh, a lot of this Donald Trump has brought on himself. So we're going to talk about uh, Paul Manafort trial when we get back. This is what I call freedom.
Secretary Betsy DeVos, who is rolling back years of policy in ways that could affect millions of students, maybe students in your own household. In the past few months, she's scuttled hundreds of civil rights probes that were underway from the Obama administration and cut off programs that were designed to enhance diversity across American schools. She also dismantled protections for students at for-profit schools. And DeVos came in as one of Trump's most controversial cabinet picks. The question the critics posed was whether she was more focused on business approaches than the public interest. What we're doing tonight is looking at how her record is bearing out. Consider three years ago she said this. We're the beneficiaries of startups, ventures, and innovation in every other area of life. But we don't have that in education because it's a closed system. A closed industry, a closed market. It's a monopoly, a dead end. So what is she doing about her so-called monopoly dead end? Well, we're seeing her tenure touch on virtually just about all the controversial big-ticket items in Donald Trump's presidency, from civil rights to guns to, of course, immigration. Consider that DeVos refuses to say whether migrant kids split from their own parents would get to go to school or not. And she stunned many educators by testifying that teachers could become part of immigration enforcement because they could then be able to call border agents to report on undocumented families. If a principal or a teacher uh, finds out that a, a certain child is undocumented or he, his or her families are, are members are undocumented, do you feel that that principal or teacher should, is responsible to call ICE and to have that family reported? Uh, sir, I think that's, that's a school decision. It's a local community decision. She also struck a very Trumpy tone on another fairly basic policy point, the issue over whether one admits that guns are dangerous inside school. You can't say definitively today that guns shouldn't be in schools? 
Well, I, I will refer back to uh, Senator Enzi and the school that he was talking about in Wapiti, Wyoming. I think probably there, I, I would imagine that there's probably a gun in the school to protect from potential grizzlies. Potential grizzlies. That was back in January, but it was more than a gaffe. We want to show you the facts in policy because she's now leading a commission on school safety, but says the entire effort will not even discuss gun violence. So you're studying gun violence, but not considering the role of guns. We're actually studying school safety and how we can ensure our students are safe but, at well, school. How can you ensure students are safe in school? Well, look at what endangers their safety. 59 school shootings, 59 deaths, 93 injured since DeVos was confirmed last year. Now, she also was part of funneling millions of dollars in donations to the Republican Party, which put her on the map for the Trump administration, but had zero prior experience in public education, something which critics say is part of the problem and has become very obvious in her public statements. So were you unaware when I just asked you about the IDEA that it was a federal law? I may have confused it. Have the public schools in Michigan gotten better? Uh, I don't know. Overall, I, I can't say overall that they have all gotten better. The whole state is not doing well. Well, there are certainly lots of pockets where the, 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 the students are doing no, well. And those kind of appearances did open her up to ridicule all the way over on SNL. Well, I, don't, um, I don't know anything about school, but I, I do think there should be a school. Well, I, I think the problem is that the words that were coming out of my mouth were bad, and that is because they came from my brain. Look, I may not be very good on camera, but behind the scenes, my ideas are much worse. Is it funny, or is it true? Many critics are saying the record has become clear, and some of those ideas are actually much worse. DeVos reversing Obama policies for sexual assault protections on campus dropping bathroom rules that were designed to protect students who identify as transgender, and then pulling out, pulling out on guidelines that protect disabled students. Now, DeVos is a longtime advocate for private schools, often at the expense of public education. That's a big and complex debate, but she's been criticized for sometimes seeming to downplay the problems that students do face in underperforming schools. Have you seen the really bad schools? Maybe try to figure out what what they're doing i have not i have not i've not intentionally visited schools that are underperforming maybe you should maybe i should yes leslie Stahl there on 60 minutes maybe you should a fair point to raise with someone in charge of all the schools i mean the ones that are perfect they might need less attention. Now here at The Beat, we reached out to the Education Department for this report to ask a follow-up because more time has gone by. Has DeVos actually gone out and visited any of those underperforming schools since March when she said that? Well, we found that just two of the schools out of the 24 she's visited are characterized as underperforming. In fact, the majority of the school visits during this period... So far, the only person who's given a full account of what the president said yesterday is the one Democrat who was president, who was president. Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, a leading advocate for Dreamers and other immigrant groups. In a series of press appearances this morning, Durbin recounted exactly what happened inside the Oval Office. The President came into the Oval Office and Senator Lindsey Graham and I made our presentation. As Senator Graham made his presentation, the President interrupted him several times with questions 
and in the course of his comments uh, said things which were hate-filled, vile, and racist. We have a group that have temporary protected status in the United States because they were the victims of crises and disasters and political upheaval. The largest group is El Salvador, and the second is Honduran, and the third is Haitian. And when I mentioned that fact to him, he said, Haitians, do we need more Haitians? And then he went on when we started to describe the immigration from Africa that was being protected in this uh, bipartisan measure. That's when he used these vile and vulgar comments, calling the nations they come from shitholes. The exact word. I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what he did is an incredible offer. He offered to have the people working on the case come and work with their investigators with respect to the 12 people. I think that's an incredible offer. Donald Trump shocked even his harshest critics with his submission to Vladimir Putin this week, likely including my next guest. And joining me now for your moment of Maxine, Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California. Congresswoman, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Welcome. So were you, I think much of the country was surprised to actually see Donald Trump in action with Vladimir Putin and how submissive he was in public. What did you make of what, what happened in Helsinki? Well, I'm not surprised at all. As a matter of fact, I have for months uh, been trying to tell the American public and everybody else that this president is dangerous, uh, that he's in bed with Putin. Uh, someone said he wants to be like him, whatever. He will never, never condemn him uh, because of the relationship that they have. This didn't just start. This started a long time uh, before he was ever elected. Don't forget. This president cannot borrow money in the United States from any bank. This president is looking at Russia for his new money financial playground. He and all of his allies that I have told you are the Kremlin clan, uh, have been involved with Russia. When you name them and you think about them, why is it Manafort, Flynn, Wilbur Ross, Carter Page, Papadopoulos, all of his allies have connections with Russia, the Kremlin, and the oligarchs. This has been going on because this is their new money playground uh, that they want to develop. And the centerpiece of this is lifting the sanctions. I would wish people would focus on the sanctions. I think that's the agreement uh, that Putin had with this president in order to help him get elected. This president, I believe, has promised him that once he was elected, he would get those sanctions lifted. And you're going to watch. He's going to continue to try because Putin is saying to him, when is it going to happen? So he has a private meeting with him. We know what they talked about. I think I know what they talked about. They talked about lifting the sanctions. They talked about the upcoming elections. Uh, they talked about uh, all of the things that they could not talk about uh, in an email or on the phone. He had to go and meet with him in private so that he could talk about what he's going to do to follow through with I, what I believe is his commitment to get those sanctions lifted. Don't forget, 
when Tillerson was there, Tillerson was there to help get the sanctions lifted. He just couldn't put up with this president. He found this president to be so outrageous uh, that he ended up leaving, but he came to be a part of helping to get these sanctions lifted. It's worth trillions of dollars. Everybody will make some money if he can get this done right now. Putin's hands are tied. He cannot get the equipment or the supplies that he needs to do the work because our allies are cooperating with us. So I'm not surprised about what happened in Helsinki. I'm not surprised about the private meeting. I'm not surprised about this president standing up for Putin. As a matter of fact, I think he is Putin's apprentice. He's wow. been under his toolage for a long time now, and he intends to get it done. And the American people are sitting idly by. And the Republican Party should be ashamed uh, that they're allowing this to happen. Uh, they have no guts. They have no courage. They're not standing up for America. I dare them to talk about how patriotic they are, uh, given uh, what they're allowing this president to do. Now they're all going going to send out press releases saying, oh, we don't want you to invite Putin. Well, he's going to invite him unless the Congress of the United States and the Republicans really take some serious action. How many of the Republicans are saying, I won't come to the White House. I'm going to be outside demonstrating. How many of them saying, don't invite me to any dinner. You better not have a state dinner. How many are saying that they're just saying you shouldn't and we don't want you to do it. But I want to tell you, if they don't take strong action to keep him from bringing him here. He's going to bring him here. And that will be another, another straw in his hat that he can point to and say, see, Mr. Putin, I'm moving this forward. What we talked about, what we're going to do. I'm going to get this done and forget about what he did uh, with North Korea. Yeah. Uh, that's just a an effort to say that I'm doing this with both countries, and that's just an effort to say that, see, I'm trying to create peace and relationships in different ways. But the fact of the matter is his focus is on Russia and lifting those sanctions. And you're going to see him continue to try it because he has an agreement that he cannot get out of. When people want to know what does Putin have on the president of the United States, is this agreement where the president promised he was going to get the sanctions lifted and Putin is going to hold him to it. Let me, you know, you mentioned Carter Page, uh, Congresswoman, and here is the, uh, the FISA warrant, which was released in unprecedented fashion by the FBI. Uh, we have it this morning and uh, folks are reading through it. Um, what do you think that this, the release of this document does to the credibility of the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Devin Nunes? Well, you know, First of all, they've got to understand that he was put under surveillance because of the actions that he was taking, not only that caused suspicion, but I think it was deemed uh, that he basically was going to be used to spy. Uh, he's not considered to be very smart, uh, not considered to be uh, very, uh, you know, capable of uh, not of resisting, rather, uh, the Russians. And so I think that Nunes and all of them are looking very silly. I think that they should be ashamed uh, that they would 
in any way undermine the FBI and the FBI's work to try to protect this country from our enemy, which this president says he's not our enemy. He's just a competitor. He keeps going on like that. But the fact of the matter is uh, that Nunes and any others who have tried to undermine them to say that somehow they were unfair, somehow they were using their power uh, to interfere with the life of this man who already had been identified basically as someone who was in the grips of, uh, of Russia. Congressman Maxine Waters, never one to mince words. Thank you very much for spending some time with us on this Sunday morning. Thank you. Well, you're certainly welcome. Keep your eye on the sanctions. All right. We definitely All will right. do that. You thank you very much. And coming you're up, welcome. Thank you. And Car
All righty, we're back. <laughs> the George Wilder Jr. Uh, show is back on the air live. We're live, but we will soon be podcasted, and you can download and listen to the show uh, anytime you want. And thousands of shows, uh, oh, uh, uh, practically uh, over over 550 shows, I think we've done so far on the George Wilder Jr. Show. All of that's there for your listening pleasure anytime you want to do it. You know, yeah, just listen to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And no other, no other. Okay, Paul Manafort's trial, defense trial, this defense trial begins today on Mueller's witness, Rick Gates. Okay, okay. The first trial of Trump's former campaign chairman is now underway in Virginia. So yeah, that's let's see if he's going to um, give away Trump or flip on Trump like uh, Michael Cohen. Has done. Oh yeah, Michael Cohen has flipped. I mean, he is, and, and Trump is flipping because Donald uh, Michael Cohen is flipping. But Trump is not flipping that way. He's just going nuts that uh, his former law lawyer would uh, tell all on him. And everybody's writing a book about him. I think Amarosa, she was in the White House at one point in time. She wrote a book. She's writing a book called Unhinged. Donald Trump. Everybody's writing a book. I think. I, I actually think that Manafort is going to write a book about what's going on. Um, oh, how he was involved in this. I'm writing a book, you know, but uh, I haven't interviewed anybody and I don't, it's not a book about interviewing anybody. It's just, it's just talking about um, Donald Trump and his slime, his, his stench all over America. That's what I'm writing about. So my book is a little different from theirs. A lot of these folks had firsthand accounts with Donald Trump inside of the White House. And over the years, uh, uh, they are able to actually uh, say that they've been there. I haven't. And, you know, I wouldn't even want to. If, if I had a choice to interview Donald Trump for my book uh, that's coming uh, 2019, um, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want him sitting next to me lying, because that's all he would do. Or he would want me to lie in the book, you know, try to make him look good. So uh, no Donald Trump interview, no interviews of Trump supporters or Trump or the Trump deplorables. Uh, none of that. It's, it's going to be a great book. Everybody's writing one. I, I mean, everybody's coming out with a book. And I know this is burning Donald Trump's ass, because he, he at one time he tried to stop books from being published about him but he he tried it but and looked stupid doing it because the judge said hell no what are you doing stepping on the freedom of of of, uh the freedom of speech donald trump doesn't give a damn about freedom of speech or freedom of anything he wants what he wants when he wants it when he wants it okay an attorney for former trump campaign manager paul manafort told jurors during it during opening arguments in his tax and bank fraud trial on Tuesday, that Manafort's longtime aide, Rick Gates, now a witness for special counsel, Robert Mueller, is a liar who can't be trusted. Man, this is so good. Folks, <laughs> it's time for the popcorn uh, and, and Coke. Uh, it's time. This is nothing but a reality show playing out in the White House and in America. Donald Trump is a clown actor. 
Uh, that's what he is. And I agree with uh, Michael Avenatti when he says Trump has totally, totally destroyed the presidency of the United States. Trump has totally destroyed it. And there's no other way to say it. And you really can't blame this all on Donald Trump. You have to throw some towards the Congress who isn't doing anything about Trump and letting him sit in the White House, make money, hand over fist, which the Constitution says is illegal and it shouldn't happen. You got to blame Congress uh, also. They do not get away because they have the power to check and balance Donald Trump, but they don't do it. They won't do it. Why? Maybe because they're in on it. Maybe because Mueller is coming after their asses. Uh, Because Mueller is following the money. Money laundering. And if Donald Trump doesn't release his taxes, which doesn't seem like he's going to do, once there's a blue wave come November, the midterms, Maxine Waters will have his the authority to get his finances, that includes his taxes, and he can't stop it. The Republicans can release his taxes right now if they wanted to, but they're, they're in Donald Trump's ass, and so that's not going to happen. Yeah, the Republicans, the folks, all of these scoundrels should be voted out, every single last one of them. Voted out, kicked out, thrown out on their asses. Every last one of them rotten, low-down, creepy-ass, thug-ass Republicans in Congress who are who, who are up Donald Trump's ass. And you got some Democrats also up Donald Trump's ass. The dumbest man in the world, the stupidest, most ignorant, the biggest liar. And these people are supporting him. They're afraid of him. Who is the hell is Donald Trump to be afraid of? Obviously, he's a bully. He's a big, fat fucking bully. And they are afraid to stand up to him. How can you elect a representative for your district to go to Congress and they cower down to Donald Trump like he's some sort of king. And he's no king. He's no emperor. That will never happen because Donald Trump is dumb. That will not happen. But you got smart people, intelligent people, educated folks in Congress cowering down to somebody who can't even write a grammatically correct cowering down to somebody who they do not have to cower down to. They just want to kiss his ass and doesn't and don't care what we have to say about it. But I voted for you. I gave you your job. Well, fuck off. I'm with Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. And Donald Trump, I'm reading here, Donald Trump. The Koch brothers, Donald Trump, I mean, the Koch brothers are some powerful billionaire uh, power brokers in this country. And they are Republicans. And they, and Donald Trump criticized them this morning, 
called him a joke because he because they would not support a candidate that he liked. So he called the Koch brothers, who are billionaires, millionaires, he called them a joke. And I'm hearing in some circles the Koch brothers are coming over to the Democrats. Don't quote me on that. I'm just you. I I'll get back on you, but I've seen it in several places that they were coming over to the Democrats because they just don't like the they don't, just don't like Trump. And they did one of them did quote uh, did a quote, and that quote was that Republicans cannot lead. The Koch brothers were upset that the Republicans cannot lead, and they're not. I've never admired the Koch brothers. I never thought much of them. But I have to agree with them on this one. The Republicans cannot lead. Trump is no leader. Only thing the Republicans are doing is fucking up the country. They want to cut your food stamps. They want to cut your Social Security. They want to cut this. They want to cut that. They want to eliminate this. This is all they're doing. They want to see you suffer. They don't want to. They they don't want to see you with health care. They don't want to see you seeing a doctor. They want you to drop dead in the middle of the street and get shoveled up and thrown in the back of a truck out to be buried in a <laughs> ply plywood box box made of plywood. Uh, this is what's going down. And Donald Trump, there's no doubt about it. I think Donald Trump is biting the hand that feed him. And he's talking about running in 2020. I mean, he, done, he, he has thrown so many people under the bus. He can't be trusted. He's a traitor. He'll never stop being a traitor. So if he thinks he's going to try to distract his way out of the American people and people around the world not calling him a traitor, he's got another thing coming. But he says he's going to uh, run again in 2020. Donald Trump will not get to first base in 2020. Why? Because he has alienated and put off so many people in the Republican Party. I don't think Donald Trump is going to be the man that they choose. And if you look at Donald Trump now, he looks sick. That's, that's why, that is why so many people are saying that he probably should have a heart attack or a stroke. He, <laughs> that's wrong, but uh, I, I, I understand what they're talking about. Uh, he looks very, very sick. He looks as if he's on pep pills or something, something to keep him up, to keep him standing, even though he wants to uh, sleep or something. Yeah, he looks like he's on some kind of drugs that's going to uh, keep him up because he's going here, he's going there, he's going when he should be probably getting some fucking sleep. So this is why I keep saying all the time, Donald Trump cannot last. And so many people are saying, George, I, I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. I mean, they're saying it. George, I hope so. Uh, he cannot last. There's too much shit swirling around him. And it's been swirling around him since he entered office. And it's piling up. I mean, any sane person would have resigned by now. 
but not Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not going to resign because he loves power. He loves the power that he has. And I will say this again. Donald Trump is the enemy in the White House. He calls the press the enemy of the people. Well, how does he like being called the enemy in the White House? The press, the free press, they are doing nothing but their jobs. And Donald Trump, he don't like that. He doesn't like that, that they're doing their job. And printing the truth. He doesn't like that because printing the truth about Donald Trump is saying something negative, and he doesn't like it. And he, he has a nerve to throw a, a reporter, a CNN reporter, out of the White House because he didn't like their questioning. Ain't that a bitch? He didn't. Who the hell are you? Who the hell are you to throw somebody out of the White House? That White House belonged to Americans. Us Americans, not you. We're the ones say who gets thrown out of the White House, not Donald Trump. He's no king. He's no emperor. He's just he's a president with limited powers. Because if Congress had any balls, that's what they would do. If not, just outright impeach him. Congress could be waiting on on. Congress could be waiting on Robert Mueller's report after the investigation is over and then they will decide whether or not to impeach donald trump but donald trump has done so much already you don't even need a report you don't even need the evidence of collusion which donald trump says he says now remember all of those times donald trump was on television everywhere you see it no collusion no collusion no collusion no collusion I mean, he must have said it about 50 times everywhere he went. No collusion, no collusion, no collusion, no collusion. And then suddenly we, suddenly we find there is collusion. There is collusion. Donald Trump admitted it and his silly-ass lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, mentioned it too. They both said there is no law against collusion. In other words, I colluded. <laughs> Donald Trump colluded. He just admitted it. All the months and months he's been lying. We know when Donald Trump was saying no collusion, no collusion, no collusion, we knew he was lying because that's all he does. He hires people to lie for him and to lie with him. That's all he does. I don't know. There's people out here right now who are counting Donald Trump as he's been in office. They're counting the lies. And I think it's up to 4,000 and something or close to it. And Donald Trump is still lying. The man is more than just a pathological liar. He's a psychotic liar. Because he lies, lies, lies all the time. And then he comes on television and tries to tell us something, want us to listen to him. We can't do that because you done lied over 4,000 times and you're still lying. We're not going to listen to you. Even if he says something that might be true. No, 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 he's lying. No, uh-uh, no. Uh, go somewhere with them lies, man. 
He just lied. I don't think, I mean, I think it's around 320, 320, 330 Americans, 30 million Americans in the United States, 30 million, 330 million Americans in the United States. And I don't think not one of us has known someone somewhere that lies as much as Donald Trump. My God, this man lies, 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 and more lies, and then he lies some more. And how can you um, believe anything that comes out of his mouth? But he wants you to. He's, I mean, when he's on television, he's giving a speech. I don't want Donald Trump on my TV. I, I keep my TV off because I know he's going to be on there. And I don't want him in my house. I don't want him in the living room. I don't want him in my studio. I don't want Donald Trump on my television. I don't want him on my computer. I don't want him anywhere. But he's the president of the United States, so he's going to pop up somewhere. He's going to pop up somewhere. But my television is off limits for Donald Trump. And I know there's millions and millions and millions of other Americans feel the same way. Yes, I cannot stand Donald Trump. Yes, I do not like him. Yes, I want to see him impeached. Yes, I want to see him go to jail. Now, this is the George Wilder Jr. Show. If you're out there, you're listening, you don't like it, then, you know, you shouldn't listen. Go some, go to, go, go to some radio show, internet radio show, over-the-air radio show, broadcast and go to some station that is pro-Donald Trump. My show is anti-Donald Trump. Always will. You know, I mean, you know, Donald Trump is a white supremacist. He's a racist. He's a thug. He's a traitor. You know, and his supporters, they don't care. They don't care if he's a traitor. They don't care if he has wrecked their lives and, and... and so now that they've lost their homes, he doesn't give a damn. I want to say one thing about the California fires, um, because California is burning. And I would like for the uh, people out there at the sound of my voice, if it's possible, any, any way at all, if it's possible at all to um, try to help in any way that you can. It doesn't always have to be money. Um, any way that you can. If it's money, it's okay. It's fine. Um, try to help out the victims who have lost everything. They've lost their homes. They've lost their everything that they've had. You know, every time there's a California fire, it's a big one. It's devastating. And guess what? Not one word so far, if if any, from Donald Trump, the orange monster. Not one word. Because basically people are saying, well, George, he doesn't like California. Uh, anyway, try to, uh, I mean, if, if Congress and the president don't do their jobs, then the American people, we have to step up and do it for them. We have to, because we are humane, they're not. So if if you have... Uh, time uh, and you have the willing and you have the wherewithal help them out help them out you know it's, it's california it's part of the united states it's 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 
It's our people. It's our people. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and this has been <laughs> this has been fun, folks. Um, yeah, help out California. Help them out. I mean, they are in dire straits, and they are a part of us. They are a part of America. President, if the president don't want to do anything, if Congress won't do or say anything, it's up to us, the American people. There's 325 million of us. We don't need those clowns. Um, in Congress, you know, so uh, if you can do if you can do that, it'll be so much pre- appreciated. And I want to say to those folks out there in California, uh, our prayers are with you and we are with you. So you hang in there and, uh, you know, and do the best you can, because help is on the way. Help is on the way. America is on the way. We will. We are there by your side as you're going through all of this. Just stay up, stay positive, and vote blue.
of the day, of the night, or whatever. I want to thank you guys. We're going to, and I hope you join me tomorrow and the next day. We're going to have a ball on the George Water Jr. show. Believe me, it is fun, folks. I wouldn't do something that wasn't fun. It has to be fun to myself and it has to be fun to the guests and the people who come on this show to give, um, to let us know what they do and why, why should we pay attention? Uh, so it, it, it's fun. I want to say, thank, I want to thank everybody for, for, for being so loyal to the show and, those of you who go out and you tell other people about the show, thank you. Thank you so much. And those of you who criticize the show, uh, stop criticizing my show and give me, instead of criticizing, give me that what they call um, constructive criticism. I would love that. I would love that. But if you criticize the show, you can go right ahead. That's up to you. Uh, but a lot of things could be made better, uh, you know, but uh, some things stay the same. You know, some people hate change. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want you to enjoy the rest of your evening, the day, the night, the morning. Whenever you find yourself listening to this particular podcast or any other podcast on this Block Talk Radio website, uh, you enjoy it and you enjoy, uh, uh, enjoy what you're doing. Remember, stay up. Uh, no time to be depressed. No time to feel helpless. It's time to get out there and do something. So many people are saying that American people are standing idly by. That means you're not doing anything while Trump is destroying America. You're not doing anything or destroying America. You're sitting there and you're letting it happen. And I know that's not true. I know Americans are not standing or laying or sitting idly by as the Republicans uh, wreak havoc on on our lives. And if you are, shame on you. All right, uh, I'm going to call it uh, a call it a day, call it a show, call it an episode. And I hope you guys and girls uh, join me tomorrow on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a good one.
Hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. 